Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Remember that our God is still on the throne and that we can trust Him and that we can walk with Him. We gather here this morning to remind ourselves of the presence of the Almighty God, of His power, of His grace, and of His love. He has come to meet with us. What an awesome God. Let's gather together in prayer. Lord Jesus, as we gather together in Your presence, we seek You and Your face. We ask for Your, your peace to fall upon us, We ask for your wisdom to begin to work within us. And we pray, Father, that we would be open to what you have to say as we sing your praises, as we share together in prayer, and as we come to your word. We ask, Father, for your wisdom and your grace. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you came to worship this morning. Uh, we've been working through our season of thanksgiving, and uh, this morning as we continue to, to give thanks, uh, I just want to recognize that we really, last week, you know, it, it was kinda, we're kind of in between, and I, and I don't want to miss this. I certainly want to give thanks for all those who were giving their lives, offering their lives uh, for our freedom and for this country. If you are a veteran here today, would you just raise your hand? If you're a veteran, come on, real high, real high. Let me see them. There we go. Uh, give these guys a hand. We, we praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Th- thank you for your service to our nation. Uh, this morning, as we continue to think about um, what it means to really give thanks. Uh, we come to uh, the ninth chapter of the book of 2 Corinthians. And in this letter, Paul begins to share with the Corinthians um, this whole idea of being generous. Beginning with verse 6, we read, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also weep, or not weep, reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever." Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for this opportunity now, uh, for being with us in worship, for drawing us to yourself. Uh, We listen now for you, uh, and we ask that you would speak to us, speak to us as individuals, speak to us as your body of believers, Um, speak to us, Lord Jesus, that we might be healed, that we might be transformed, that we might be more like you. Uh, Help us, Lord, not just to listen but to apply what you speak into our hearts. And I ask, Father, that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. And so we all come before you as sinners, uh, seeking your forgiveness, seeking your grace, listening for your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So this Thanksgiving season, and for those of you who may be new to us, uh, just so you understand that uh, we, we decided a number of years ago, or maybe I should say I decided, but um, we, I, uh, decided that, you know, it's kind of a shame that we are only celebrating Thanksgiving on one Sunday uh, when there is so much for which to give thanks, and, uh, you know, we celebrate Christmas for four weeks, and we celebrate Easter for six weeks. It, it seemed like uh, we needed to kind of expand our, our time of giving thanks. So uh, we uh, spend four weeks uh, reflecting on Thanksgiving, and this year uh, we've decided uh, to look at the giving part. And I would suggest to you that giving is central. Giving is the key to thanksgiving. And that, of course, goes totally opposite what the world tells us, right? The world tells us that what causes thanksgiving is what you get. But the truth of the matter is, thanksgiving really happens when you give. So we talked about giving grace, and and I encouraged you to, when you go out to eat, to ask your server if you could pray for your server, and 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 because uh, you're going to pray anyway, right? Because you pray for your meal. It gives you an opportunity to interact with your server and see how God is working in their lives, and offer them a little bit of God's grace. And then last week we talked about giving our faith, and I talked about sharing your faith with your neighbors. In other words, uh, going to them and really offering something of faith, and that means you, of course, have to put your faith on the line, right? Uh, And we we talked about, uh, would we be willing to really pray for someone to be healed? Would, Would we have enough faith to do that and not hedge? but really have that kind of faith. And, and there are other things you can pray for that, that takes a lot of faith, and, and you really have to focus your life on faith and say, okay, God, what are you doing? I want to be a part of that, and as I see that, uh, I don't want to rehash that whole sermon, but um, it, it's powerful when you begin to live by faith, when you begin to give your faith away instead of thinking faith is all for me. Well, uh, that brings me to this morning's scripture and understanding. This morning we want to talk about generosity. And and the problem with generosity I see is that our world says generosity has to do with how much you have. Where the scripture paints a totally different picture. This woman here is the widow of Zarephath. Do you remember this story? It's found in 1 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians. Sorry. In, in, in 1 Kings 17. And Elijah is, there's been a drought. There hasn't been any food for anybody. 
And Elijah has gone to the king and told the king that there was going to be no food, uh, according to God's prompting. And so he has spent some time uh, depressed. Uh, he has spent some time being fed by ravens. And finally, God says to him, listen, I want you to go to the region of Zarephath, and I want you to find this widow there, and she's going to feed you. Now, if God is going to call someone to feed someone else, you would expect that he would call someone who has a lot of extra, right? Uh, that, that God would call someone who owns a big farm and, and, you know, they're getting ready to sit down for that big farm breakfast. And so Elijah shows up and, and the, the, the couple in the house say, come on in, we've got plenty to share with you. Here, come on in. We've got, we've got eggs and bacon and hash browns. And they probably didn't have that in the Middle East, but doesn't that sound good? Ooh. Uh, pizza? No, that's later. Uh, uh, and you'd expect God, but you see, God doesn't work that way because generosity does not depend on how much you have. This widow had nothing Nothing. As a matter of fact, when Elijah comes up to her, she is uh, collecting sticks. And he says to her, God has sent me to you. Would you get me something to drink? And she said, sure. And as she was going, the scripture says, to get it. She is, this person, this widow, she's Collecting sticks, and yet she's willing to stop what she's doing because this man asked simply for a drink of water, and she's up. She's going to go get it. Something different inside of her, you understand. It's not how much she has. It's this willingness in herself, in her being, in her heart. And so she goes off, and as she's going, he says, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Well, you see, there was a problem for that, with that. Because all she had was a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour, and she was gathering sticks to add to the flour and to the oil so that she could make just enough for her and her son, and then they were going to die. That was it. You see, she didn't have a whole lot of extra. She didn't have a whole lot. As a matter of fact, she had basically nothing. And guess what she does? She says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar, a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elisha says to her, this is what you have to do. God will provide for you. You make me some cake first. And then God will provide what you need now, wait a minute. Why would God say, wouldn't God say, okay, well, I'm going to provide for you. You make what you need, and then what's left over you can give to Elijah. That's not what God says. And this woman, I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to you or to me most of the time. This woman says, hey, okay. And she makes the loaf of bread with what little she had left, this little bit of flour and this little bit of oil, and she puts it together and she makes a loaf of bread and she gives it to Elijah and she goes back and she has more flour and she has more oil. But she used what she had and she just gave it away. That's 
generosity. Generosity doesn't depend on how much you have. Generosity depends on what's inside your heart. In our passage this morning, uh, as we begin to look at generosity and how this all plays out, in this passage this morning, um, the Apostle Paul begins by talking about uh, the sower, the farmer. And I love this image because the farmer has a choice to make. You, You understand that, don't you? The farmer has a choice to make. The farmer has a store of seed. Now, it's not like today where, you know, you could go to the store and buy seed. This farmer has a store of seed that he has kept or she has kept from the year before. So now this farmer has to decide, if I throw this seed, if I plant this seed, will there be enough for me? Now, some people say, well, what this scripture is saying is, if you sow a little bit, you'll get a little bit, and if you sow a lot, you'll get a lot. Now, that's not necessarily true, is it? Uh, some people think that's true, and, and they, they play the lottery because, they, well, if I spend a little on the lottery, but if I spend a lot on the lottery, I might get a lot. That's lottery thinking. The Scripture is entire. It's not like, well, if, if, I give enough to you, if I give a lot to you, then I'll get a lot back. Some people preach it that way. That, to me, is scary, that somehow if you give a lot away to God, and, you know, I'd love to say that. If you empty your pockets this morning, God will fill them by this afternoon, and certainly he'll fill ours. That's not what this passage says. Be very careful. That's not what this passage says. You see, you have to understand the mindset of a farmer. A farmer will take that seed and will sow it. And they have a choice. They can sow sparingly. And if you sow sparingly, you are guaranteed a little harvest. You might get a good harvest, but you're going to get a little harvest. If you, spare, if you sow a lot, that doesn't necessarily connect that you're going to get a huge harvest. You have to count on something else. What do you have to count on? Well, you have to count that God is going to take care of you because you're going to give away your seed, and the question is, will there be enough for you? And that's only if the weather is right and if the, there's no drought and only if things happen right when, when you plant it and only if it lands on the right soil. And only, Do you understand all the issues that the farmer has absolutely no control over? And we, in our culture, we, we spend all the time we can trying to, control those variables, don't we? Uh, I come from Michigan, and in Michigan, they have these huge, huge irrigation systems. I mean, and it's kind of fun when when they get kind of in the wrong place, and they shoot out over the road, and you get a car wash on the same time, Uh, but don't do that. In case you're ever out there, don't do that because they use pond water. It's not good water, and it doesn't make your car clean. And and they do that to mitigate this whole idea. Uh, The truth of the matter is that if you are a farmer, you at some level have to put your trust in God. You have to trust. You have no choice but to trust in God because you take your seed, and even if you're buying seed, you put money into this seed, and your anticipation is that you're going to reap a harvest that doesn't necessarily Equate, you have to trust in God. You do all you can. 
But you have to trust in God. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you understand that if you offer yourself to God, God will work in your behalf. And in that, you can trust in Him. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be rich. That doesn't mean that if you feel a need to help someone, to listen to someone, to care for someone, that they're not going to turn around and slap your face. That doesn't guarantee that. You trust God to take care of what you have offered to Him. And there's the key. When, you, when we pass the plate uh, today, I, to be honest with you, I don't care what you put in the plate. I don't know what anybody puts in the plate. Um, and, and I really don't care. I'm more concerned with what's the attitude of your heart. Where do you stand with God? Are you offering yourself to God? I'd be happy if each one of you, please don't do this this morning. But I'd be happy if each one of you this morning, when you got the plate, would simply put it down and stand in it. Now, Brenda wouldn't be real happy with that. I don't know how you count that, Brenda. <laughs> uh, but they wouldn't fit. That's true. Uh, but but you understand uh, when you are a generous person, what you've learned is that you can do all you can. But ultimately, you have to trust in God. What's awesome is when you trust in God, God will provide. Now, now look carefully at verse eight. Because I find this uh, interesting, the way Paul writes this. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, the, the reason why I pointed this out, did you notice how many times he says all? All of this, all of that, all of the other thing. Because when you put your trust in God, God provides all that you need. Not all that you want. I won't tell you who, but someone in a connect card put the, asked us to pray for a, a hot rod. <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> and they were, you know, they were really seeing if we read those. We do read the connect cards, by the way. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, <laughs> you see, that's frequently the way we think uh, of being generous. Well, I'll give to God, and God will give me all this other stuff. What the Apostle Paul wants you to hear, and what I want you to hear, what God wants you to hear, is that he will provide all that you need. And he will provide it as you abound in every, what's that? Good work. In other words, you do your part and trust in God, and God will take care of the rest. Now, see, this is a problem because we want to control This is the problem that started in Genesis, right? Uh, We wanted to be like God. We want to be in control. And I understand that very well. Uh, When Barb was taking tests and measurements in seminary, we did the control scale. It was, what, 1 to 10? And I I think I was a 15. I want to be in control. I, I, I I don't want variables. I want to know and be in control. And, of course, that just leads to all kinds of problems, doesn't it? Because ultimately, God is in control. And we have to learn to trust Him. And as we learn to trust Him, we then become generous because it's not about us, it's about Him. And when it stops being about us, then our lives become incredibly generous. Because you see, when I'm headed somewhere and I'm busy and it's all about me and I run into someone who needs to talk... 
then if it's all about me, I just keep going. If I trust God for the things that I thought were so important that I had to get done, I then can stop and take time and listen and share and give my time, myself. People say to me, I I didn't want to call you because I know you're so busy. Call me. Because it's much more exciting to give than to be about some agenda. And you learn to truly trust in God. The thing about trusting in God is as you give, he's got something better, doesn't he? It's not necessarily something financial, not necessarily something uh, that will uh, make you think, wow, now I'm rich in material things. Instead, what God does is he offers you his righteousness, his love, his grace, his power, his peace, which our world desperately needs today. You see, it's, it's all about trusting in God. And as we begin to trust in God, we then become more and more and more generous um, I, I'm reminded of that story of, of uh, the, we call it the parable of the talents. I notice they've changed it now to a parable of the bag of gold. Anyway, uh, the, the way that parable goes is the landowner's leaving. He leaves three of his stewards in charge, and he gives them a certain amount. To one, he gives 10 bags of gold in this illustration. One, he gives five, and one, he gives, I think it's one or two. Uh, two, it's two. And the one that has... 10 puts it to work, and what do you know, it works out, and he ends up with 10 more. So when the, homeowner, when the landowner comes back, he has uh, 20 bags of gold, and the landowner says, well done, you did a great job. And, and then the one that had five comes back, and, and he, he comes back with 10. He doubled his, too, and he's really excited. He says, landowner, look, I, I, I put your five to work, and we got five more. And, and the landowner says, great, you did a great job. And then the one who had one, or two, I think it's one, one. He took that one and he hid it in the ground. And when the landowner came back, he digs it up. And he still has one. And he goes into the landowner. And this is what he says So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what, you belongs, what belongs to you. I was afraid. You hear those words? I was afraid. If you're a generous person, you trust God enough not to be afraid. And if you're not afraid, you can give it away. I was afraid, he says, so I hid your gold in the ground. You know what the the landowner says? He he gets upset with the guy. What? What were you thinking? If you knew I was a harsh person, why then would you hide it? Why not at least put it in the bank so it gains a little interest? And he says, take that bag of gold and give it to the one who has the most bags. That's interesting. Yeah, because he'll be able to work with it. But you, do, do you understand? Listen carefully. You see, the other two trusted that if they put it to work, something would happen. But this one was afraid. He didn't trust. What about you? Do you trust in God enough to be generous with your time? Generous with your money? Generous with your your abilities? Do you trust God enough? 
You see, generosity has to do with trusting in God. But, but generosity doesn't just have to do with trust, trusting from God. Generosity has to do with a change of the heart. You see, something's got to change inside of you because you and I both have this, this innate uh, ability to, to hoard and to hold on because something inside of us uh, says that we have to take care of ourselves first. Jesus suggested just the opposite. Jesus suggested that it's not so much about you. That something has to happen in your heart. You have to begin to look at others with a compassion, with a love. That's the way he looked at others. Do you, do you catch that? I can't tell you how many times in the scripture, Jesus comes upon a group and the scripture says, and he had compassion on them. And in a couple places it says this, because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, just wandering around. And they needed help. And because of that, his heart was spurred on to to help them. That's the kind of heart God would give us if we would be willing to open our hearts to him. Because then we begin to see the brokenness in others. And when we begin to see the brokenness in others, then we begin to reach out to them with need. But here's the problem. We see the brokenness in others and we see them as the enemy. We don't like their brokenness. We're comfortable with ours, but with theirs, we're not so sure of. And so rather than reaching out with love that Christ calls us to, we put up the walls. This, to me, is a very powerful picture. One of our soldiers who saw a child who was in need, didn't matter whose child it was. Here's a child in need, and it changed the heart of that soldier. And that soldier, well, it maybe probably didn't change the heart. That was the heart of that soldier, and he picks up that child. And I don't know where he's going with that child, but look at him. He's got that child wrapped right in his arms, talking to it, holding it, sharing what love and compassion does to a heart and changes our world. This is generosity. A heart that's changed, that sees the hurt, the brokenness in others, and reaches out with God's love to care for that brokenness. In Colossians, Paul writes this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? Compassion. And along with that comes kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Our world desperately needs a people of God who understand that they are called to be compassionate first and foremost. We live in a world that's all about how I can get what's best for me. We serve a God that calls us to reach out to those who, would even, who we would even call our enemies because we recognize that they are broken. And when you begin to do this, something incredible happens. When you begin to give out of a heart that's transformed, you begin to have incredible joy. And and what's interesting to me about this, the scripture here this morning says, God loves a cheerful giver. And you think, well, you know, if you're giving your money away, how can that be cheerful? Uh, We do uh, Dave Ramsey's financial piece, and he, he encourages you to buy everything with cash. Because he says, when you buy with cash, it hurts. 
Yeah, you buy with a credit card, it doesn't hurt so much until the end of the month. But, but when you buy the credit card, you just kind of, wow. But he says, when you, when you take cash, and of course, he talks about $100 bills, which is kind of a little bizarre to me, but he talks about $100 bills. So when you give Uncle Ben away, that hurts. You know what? For a person who's generous, giving Uncle Ben away doesn't hurt at all. As a matter of fact, it brings great joy. There's nothing better than to be able to give when your heart has been changed by the God who has given the most for you. As a matter of fact, what's amazing to me is that when your heart begins to change, you not only get joy in giving, but you get joy even though it costs you something. And the Lord Jesus understood this more than anyone else. Because you see, his joy was to offer us life, and it cost him his life. He wanted us to experience the fullness of life. And in order to experience the fullness of life, he had to offer his life for ours. You say, well, why would he have to do that? Well, it's very simple. You see, when we, when we begin to step away from God, we call it sin, you can call it whatever you want, but when we begin to step away from God, when we begin to live for ourselves, when we begin to do what we think is best for me, when we begin to focus on ourselves and in our own being, when we begin to decide that we're the boss, then we have stepped away from God. And when we do that, we step away from the love and the grace and the awesome power of the Almighty God, and we find ourselves in a place very vulnerable. And it's a scary place. It's called the world. And that place is getting more scary every day. You've seen it this week in particular. And so you step away from God and you find yourself in this incredibly vulnerable spot. And Jesus comes along and says, I don't want you to live in such fear. I want you to live in my peace. And so he says, I'm going to die so that you can be back in relationship with God. I will forgive you for all those things that have pulled you away. And you can refocus and find a relationship with me. And in that relationship, find the fullness of life, the fullness of life that gives you the joy of letting go and serving God and giving away. Jesus knew the only way to do that was to pay the price for those things that you've done wrong and I've done wrong. And the scripture says the wages, the cost of that was death. And Jesus was willing to die. For you and for me, it's incredible. He was willing to give his life. You see, he... He was the most generous person you've ever met because he gave himself for us so that we could have joy, joy with him because, you know, he rose again from the dead (laughs) and so that we could celebrate his life in our lives every day. It's an incredible moment. You would think that to sacrifice would would hurt and, and, and it does, but it also gives you great joy. Look at it this way. You are a child, and your parents, uh, for most of you, some of you this may not be true, and, uh, but for most of you, your parents made great sacrifices. And if you would talk to them, they would say, yeah, I made a lot of sacrifices, and I hated every minute of it, and I don't really care. No, that's not what they'd say. Yeah, I made a lot of sacrifices, but I'm so excited to watch you live and grow and, and become the, the incredible human being that you're going to become. And, and, I, and I remember when you were real little, I used to look at you and think, I wonder, I wonder what they'll be like. You didn't sit there and think, man, in five years they're going to eat three times as much. How am I going to pay for that? 
Your parents didn't sit there and say, yeah, but man, when, when they get to high school, they'll want to get a license, and then they'll want to drive a car, and think of the sacrifice I'll have to make. Or, or they won't get a car, and I'll have to drive them to every stinking soccer game. That you don't. Think, you look at that child, and when it, and you go to those soccer games. And you say, yeah, go. And yeah, I. You know, I didn't. I didn't get the overtime this week, or maybe I had to leave work a little early. And I, yeah, so it's going to cost us a little bit. But it's so exciting to see who they. Do you understand the joy that comes from being a generous person? And what's neat about being a generous person in Christ is that even if the other person doesn't turn out all that great, you can still say, yeah, but I just wanted to give to my God. Uh, we, we have a lot of people come uh, to the church um, looking for money. I, oh, man, I hate this. You know, and, and you want to be good stewards with the money. And yet, you know, these people... And yeah, maybe they're using the system. I don't know, you know. And I can't tell all the time. And uh, what do you do? And, and you struggle. But I'll tell you what, it feels a whole lot better to give no matter what they do with the money than it does to not give. Because there's something about the joy of just giving it away. And somehow our world tells you you've got to hang on to it, hang on tight. Hang on to your kids. Hang on to your, your family. Hang on to your job. Hang on to this. Hang on to that. And Jesus said just the opposite. Let it go. Give it to me. And watch what I can do with it. There was a lady uh, when Jesus was walking this earth who, who came up to him towards the end of his life. As a matter of fact, uh, most gospels have it right before the Last Supper. And, and she comes up to her. Her name is Mary. And she takes, she has this bottle of alabaster perfume. It was worth a year's wage. Think about how much you make in a year. And that's how much this perfume was worth. At least $20. Now think about how much you make in a year. And she took that perfume bottle and she broke it. And she poured it on Jesus' feet, or depending on which gospel you read, on his head. My guess is she did both. She was so excited just to offer something to Jesus. It was the most important thing she had. And she just laid it on him. And the church people there said, man, you know, if we'd have taken that and sold that, we could give that money to the poor, think how much that would have done for the rest of the world. Jesus said, stop it. She's working out of her heart. She's showing me how much she loves me. What are you doing? You don't love the poor. As a matter of fact, in one of the Gospels, uh, the one who's the most vocal is a guy named Judas. Um, and he was upset because he, he had hold of the, the money bags. He was the treasurer. And come and find out, he was helping himself every once in a while, all the money bags. He, he didn't care about the poor. He cared about himself. But Mary, she didn't care. She, she didn't care about herself. She cared about her Lord, and she just offered. Man, she's just pouring out that perfume. And can you imagine the smell in the room? All those who were allergic were going, <laughs> everybody else going, oh, man, that smells so good. And Jesus looks at her. And she says this, he says this, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Because, see, she was a generous person. And out of her heart, she just offered 
She just gave. She just gave. She loved. Her heart had been changed. She loved with abandon. And I believe that this is what Christ is calling us to do, to love with abandon. We love with parameters. We love based on who a person is or what a person does or how a person looks. We put parameters on love. God says, take away the parameters. Love everybody. Love your enemies. Love those who would persecute you. Love, love, love. It's craziness, but it's awesome. If only we could do that. I think we can. I think we can. You see, when we begin to give ourselves away, when we begin to give love with abandon, when we begin to truly give... uh, Things begin to change. And all of a sudden, we have what we call Thanksgiving. Now, I know a little bit about Thanksgiving. And um, I know that for many of you, um, Thanksgiving begins not when the turkey is served, but when the pumpkin pie comes out. Now, you understand, don't you, uh, that that the pumpkin pie doesn't just happen, right? Um, it, it's not true, guys, that on Thanksgiving morning you get up and all of a sudden the pumpkin pie is there. Somebody, somebody had to give their time and their effort to create that pie. Isn't that true? Somebody had to be willing to give for you to have Thanksgiving. Do you understand what Thanksgiving is about? It's not about football. And it's not about just sitting there and eating that meal. It's about being generous, giving to one another. What is it, what is it Paul says here? This to me is so powerful. He says, uh, this service that you perform is not only supplying needs to God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And their prayers for you, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanksgiving begins when you begin to give thanks. When you begin to give thanks. You see, when that, when you're with people who are giving, are generous, don't you like to be with those kind of people? Or do you like to be with the Scrooges? The Scrooges are more entertaining. No, they aren't. They're hard to live with. But people who are generous are fun to be around. I, when I was in high school, uh, college, early college, um, I, I was painting houses for a living, um, which is uh, an interesting experience in itself. And, and I always used whatever people had, you know, so that they could count, cut down the price. So if they had a ladder, I'd use their ladder and, and what have you. And um, the guy I, I painted with, he was crazy. He was just crazy. And I, I, would, I got a job at UPS, so I was working nights, and he'd come wake me up in the morning, we'd go paint. Uh, which is nuts, just crazy. And, and I remember one day in particular, he came, he said, let's go paint. So we went to this house, and we got all set up and started rain, pouring down rain. You can't paint in the rain, in case you don't know. He looked at me, and he said, hey, you know what? 
they're, they're taking blood. There's a blood drive just around the corner. Let's go get blood. He was a generous person. I mean, this is the kind of person he was. He always looking to help somebody. Somehow he became a nurse. Perfect profession for him. And he said to me, come on, let's go. I said, oh, okay. I hadn't eaten. I hadn't slept. So we get there to get blood. And he's there, and he's a big, big, burly guy. And he's pumping it out, man. The blood's just... And I'm laying there. And there's this little trickle coming out. Well, the news media happened to show up because, you see, it happened to be that time when the AIDS epidemic, this tells you how old I am, the AIDS epidemic was beginning to bloom and HIV and all that stuff. And and I'm laying there with my little bit of blood, and I finally said to the nurse reluctantly, uh, I'm getting kind of dizzy here. And she said, dizzy on bed four! (laughs) And the news media said, Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm white as a sheet. They pick up my feet. I think I'm going to pass out, and they're focused on me. I didn't feel very generous at the moment, and I didn't give a whole lot. Uh, I gave what I could, <laughs> but I didn't give a whole lot. But my buddy was a generous person, and I loved to be around him I, because there was something about him. It was contagious. When he wanted to give, I wanted to give. And you see, that's what God calls us to be, is people that other wa- others want to be around, <laughs> people who are generous, people who are caring, people who truly love. And that will cause others to give thanks, give thanks to God because of what you've done. I, I praise God when, when Dave was uh, trying to give thanks to me. Thank you, Dave. That was nice. But you were right, Dave. It's not about me. God blessed some people, and he happened to use me. That's an incredible feeling. That's what God wants to do in your life. And that could begin right now. You could begin with a heart and a life of thanksgiving. Begin this way. This morning, I'm going to ask you to simply pray and ask God to give you an attitude, a heart change, a heart of generosity towards the people that make you the most angry, to the people who who have hurt you in the past, to the people who who have, have, have come to you and have not treated you the way you think you should be treated? Can you have an attitude of love because of their brokenness? And that, of course, begins with you asking Jesus to come and begin to heal some of your brokenness. I'm going to ask you to begin that process today. And then I'm going to ask you this week to offer to somebody else. Offer to, you see, I can stand up here and talk all I want, and we can pray and ask God to change our attitudes, but if we don't do something with it, what good is it? So I'm going to ask you this week to go to someone and truly love them in the midst of their brokenness. Find someone. And love them. Do you have someone in mind? Love them in the midst of their brokenness. And you'll begin to understand what thanksgiving is really all about. Let's bow forward to prayer. Lord Jesus, help us to trust you more.
Help us to trust you so that we are willing to take time, give our abilities, listen, and offer our lives to you and to others. Help us to trust you with that, Lord, because sometimes they won't treat us very well. Sometimes it won't be the amazing story that, that everything went great. Uh, we know that, Lord, and, and it scares us sometimes. Help us to trust you. Lord Jesus, this morning, uh, we pray that you would change our attitudes. Give us hearts that are generous, willing to give. That, Lord Jesus, we would begin to experience what thanksgiving is really all about. Not what we get, but what we give. And Jesus, we can't thank you enough for all that you've given for us. Certainly, Lord, that's where we understand thanksgiving the best. So this week, help us, Lord Jesus. Help us place that person in front of us that you're calling us to love. And give us the courage to love them, to give to them, that we might truly give you thanks. And we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.